This podcast is brought to you by Mark Pacata, the CEO of LaunchBoom and the author of a new book entitled Crowdfunding, the Proven Crowdfunding System for Launching Products, Raising Missions, and Scaling Brands Using Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Please listen to podcast number 783, where Mark and Greg speak why crowdfunding is the best way to launch a physical consumer product and dive into specific strategies that Mark has and his team have used to raise over $50 million for their clients. Mark and his team created a system they call Test Launch Scale. This is a technique that allows Mark and his team to test their clients' products in the market to ensure viability before investing large sums of time and money into a launch. If you're interested in learning more about Mark and his new book, please visit his website at www.launchboom.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this podcast number 783 with Mark Pacata and his new book, Crowdfunded. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Karen, every time that I get on one of these shows, I just have to thank my listeners who, you know, are out there around the world who continue to keep coming back again and again and listening to the words of wisdom, as I say, uh, from our authors. And as you and I were talking, um, I noticed uh, you said you knew Chip Connolly and one of his uh, accolades is about your book. The book is called Taking the Work Out of Networking, Your Guide to Making and Keeping Great Connections with Karen Wickray, who's on the line with us. Good morning to you, Karen. How are you? I'm great, Greg. Nice to be here. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure having you on the show, and she is joining us from uh, the Silicon uh, Valley area. And uh, this book, I want to let them know a bit about you. She's a veteran connector, editor, communicator, and have worked in the Silicon Valley uh, long enough to appear on what Wired 1.4. That's a long time ago, Karen. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Even before that, I wrote one of the very first guides to what is used to call the World Wide Web and how it's amazing relic of a more innocent time. And I would agree with that. Um, All of us dealing with this COVID-19 outbreak, it's pretty challenging. Uh, As a corporate writer and developing story styles and cadence for Google, Twitter, and many startups, an early Googler. Uh, She joined where there were 500 employees. I left nine years later where there were 50,000. She's been in uh, my share of war rooms and fire drills. Has crafted scores of posts covering products, pivots, shakeups, corporate apologies, and company culture. So she comes with us with a ton of background. And her book, obviously, is something that You know, everybody out there, Karen, doesn't matter who it is, has to network. It isn't, uh, it it doesn't matter what occupation you're in. And, you know, you mentioned in the introduction of the book that almost everyone that you mentioned the term networking to, they just hate the process. And there's all these networking groups that meet, and I fell out of them years ago. Why do you believe that something that should be so pleasurable, meeting other people, uh, is almost like going to the dentist for most people? 
yes, it does feel that way. Uh, it, 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 there's something about the, the notion of it, I think, that we all conjure up is something like this. Uh, you're, you have to go to a networking event and it's in a hotel ballroom and you're supposed to come back with X number of business cards of other people. And somehow this the experience that sounds awful and is awful is the thing that's supposed to like get you to your next job. Or if you're actively looking, like I have to land a job, it makes the stakes of this kind of experience very high. Right. Right. And that's how I think people generally think about networking is, oh, I'm me, one person, and I have to go face a horde of people I don't know, and I'm, I've am i drawn the short straw because I need a new job or I need an introduction to someone or, you know, I'm I'm kind of desperate about this or I, I'm, I'm in need. And this mass of people somehow has all the answers and I have to penetrate them and find my answer. Mm-hmm. And that's just not of course that of course we hate that <laughs> that's 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 not a fun way to look at it so one of the things i remind people is really all networking is one to one it is not you penetrating the ballroom full of you know a, a mass of strangers it is all one to one and it doesn't have to be done in that hotel ballroom um the the importance of building a network and having a network is really the key thing how you go about doing it has so much more to do with paying attention to individual connections that you already have, to people who are, strike you as interesting, who you genuinely like. Those are the people, one by one, that you want to have in the network that you're building, as opposed to, I'm going out willy-nilly to you know, somehow come home magically with an answer for me. Um, so it's, it's much more of an organic, um, continuous process than it is about events or my one need right now. Doesn't mean if you really are in need of a job, yes, you, you're kind of working your network and working that system maybe a little harder, more actively, but you're still doing it one conversation at a time with someone that you have some link to. So it's mm-hmm. not quite this notion of strangers, right? It's not like I have to suddenly befriend a stranger who's got all the answers for me. The fact is, no one has all the answers for any of us. It's more like a scavenger hunt. Oh, yeah, definitely it is. And so what would you tell the listeners out there that, you know, this old cliche, birds of a feather flock together. And I think what you do is you find that, you know, sometimes diversity is a challenge. Um, You know, when you're networking or you find this group you feel comfortable with, what would you tell people to kind of break that mold who've like found this group of people and maybe haven't added to their network or become more diverse with their network or taken the time to learn, right? Uh, New things, because we know learning new things is the way that you can get into new networks. So what would you tell our listeners about that? Yeah. Well, I would say, for one thing, people will sometimes say to me, well, I've I've had one job for eight or 10 years, and I don't really have a network. Well, most of us do have a network already. And uh, for a lot of people, it's defined by uh, or shaped by uh, the, the job they currently have. So you already have contacts there. 
that uh, some of whom you work closely with, some of whom you like seeing in the hallway when we're in a hallway together, uh, you know, some of whom you have something in common with, some of whom you would never have met or liked or gotten to know except for the workplace. And uh, it's important to recognize, oh, I, I, this is my network. A network, by the way, is not the same as friends and family. That, that may be a network, but it, it, for our purposes, this is, this is your sort of brain trust. The people that you turn to for new ideas and advice and maybe inspiration about possibly a next job, possibly a different career, possibly moving to a new location, you know, possibly some other kind of advice. They're not uh, your friends and family who uh, are, you know, uh, bonded to you already uh, and uh, presumably for life. But this this other group uh, is is sort of more organic and amorphous and can change over time uh, as you need. And you may find, for example, you said that I you noted that I had worked at Google in the early days, uh, and because I did, it was a unique time in the life of a company, as as most growing companies uh, are and have that time. Some of those people, not all of them, but some of, some of the people from those early days of sort of being in the trenches together and working seven days a week, those are those are in those are part of my network, you know, for for many years since and many years to come, I hope, because we we shared a lot of things, some personal, some professional, and some just by having the experience together. And mm-hmm. there's no trading for that, and so you 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 begin to have an instinctive feeling about, oh, here's someone who you know I I trust who has might have good advice for me, who I want to turn to, or who I want to help if they need advice, and that that's really the the nature of this sort of broader network I'm talking about. What would you tell the listeners out there, Karen? I know that. Um... A lot of times when you were talking about your Google network that started many years ago and a lot of old, um, let's call them friends, acquaintances, maybe people you don't know so well, but then you, you fall upon a project and you have this fear about approaching them um, because you don't know if they'll remember you or whatever. And I found this even in my own case, right? It's like, well, okay, well, am I going to go back to... John or Bob or whoever. And I don't think I'm unusual to this. I think it's that first phone call of, you know, making the new introduction again. They're probably going to yeah. remember you. But yeah. what would you tell our listeners about that? Because I think that that it's a faux pas in our own mental thinking about what they're going to think of us. Yes. What does I, this I guy want? You know, there's a lot what is, of what does he want? He's calling yeah. yeah, there's a lot exactly. of hesitation around reaching out to people you haven't been in touch with. I will say it's easier than ever to do now because we have mechanisms like LinkedIn uh, and and some of the other um, channels that we may be on where we're perhaps already connected to that person. Uh, we may not have had mm-hmm. any dealings with them, but for for you know when we were more connected we connected on linkedin or or fill in the blank whichever whichever place yeah and right. uh we don't have to keep up uh day in and day out at that point but because we have this mechanism 
um, the easiest thing to do, as you would do in person if you ended up next to them at a cocktail party, is to say, mm-hmm. well, you, I don't know if you remember this, but we did so-and-so, or I, I'm glad to see you because I always thought of you as this kind of person, and I enjoyed our time together. Would you mind if I asked you a question? Or, or I've been thinking about you for another reason because you now work at so-and-so, and I am really curious about that. Could I talk to you? about that. Could we make a time convenient for you? Always, that's important uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, f- continue this conversation and to reconnect. Yeah. That's essentially I mean, how you do it. Uh, it's it, good what, advice. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. whatever what, it, it can be a phone call. It's, it's easy these days to just start with uh, a message, you know, through LinkedIn or, or as, as I say, if you're already both comfortable on, on some other channel. Or even email just to say, and here's why I'm looking for you now with some specifics so that then they understand not just what's this guy calling me about, but, oh, this is what they want. And in my experience, people are flattered and pleased to help. It's sort of flattering to be asked for their advice or their opinion or even their contacts, Mm -hmm. but to take the time to say not just hey, I need something from you, right? But you want to cushion it in a sort of uh, a flattering way. But also, you know, it's, it's it's kind of a sign of respect and people like, oh, I want to help you with that. And by the way, I'm curious about such and such that you've been doing. So it becomes much more of a mutual give and get very quickly. I agree. And I think your advice is wonderful because it's a great way to do it is to use LinkedIn. And be more specific about what you say. That's super advice. I know I was on with an author who did a movie uh, yesterday, and uh, he was he put a lot of money in it, and he's trying to launch this movie. And uh, Cinequest, uh, Karen, uh, up in the Bay Area, I said I'll put uh-huh. you in touch with her. And I said, Do you know? I said, Do you know Dan Harris, uh, the gentleman who wrote the book A Ten Percent Happier, the the TV broadcaster? No. Uh And I said, well, there's six degrees of separation. I bet you that I can get to Dan and help you open the door um, for your your movie on meditation. And I think that's the key is that you you start to connect the dots. They're going to have different expertise, different skills, different interests, as you do. And this this kind of um, organic web of contacts that you have are, are who you continuously pick from and work with and uh, ally with for ideas and uh, kind of new takes on things and learning new insights, new information, and of course, leads and introductions to other people who are interested in or or, uh, doing what you're interested in doing. So in a way, networking has never been... Networking has never been more important. Yeah, and I agree. And there are many reasons, but that's probably one of the biggest ones because you're you're literally not in the same position as long. You're moving around, yeah. like you said. You may only be there three, four, or five years, whatever it is. And I know that because I'm looking at my sons and I see what what has happened in their career. Um, one of them started at Adobe, then went to two other small startups. Now he's um, with um, Mozilla. And so uh-huh. it's it's an interesting thing to watch that in someone's career where you and I, who are a little bit older, um, we 
had careers that lasted quite a bit longer in between. So you state that networking is instinctive. I love that. Uh, You do it when you don't need anything, you say. So how do our Mm -hmm. listeners make networking more instinctive and organic, uh, you know, versus the the whole concept of pulling teeth like the dentist going to an event? Because we should always be networking every time we wake up, just like you and I started talking before the podcast. It was our opportunity to network versus just jumping into a podcast. That's why I like to spend a few minutes first doing that. Sure. Sure. Um, Yeah. It's the only way you get to know people. And so what would you tell people who are out there to making this more instinctive and making it much more organic? Well, I would say, um, unfortunately, we, we've been living with this word networking as a verb for <laughs> for a long time, and that's part of the problem. So I will sometimes mentally substitute connecting uh, instead of networking because we, you're right, we we are always in a sense networking, but the fact is, at a more human level, we're we're connecting, and connections can be memorable. Uh, sometimes they are minor but they still can kind of make your day. And over time, you begin to realize, you know, um, just as you would with your friends, some friends are, you know, you you know instinctively to turn to them when you want to, like, go blow some steam off and see, you know, uh, uh, when we can again. And, (laughs) you know, the latest IMAX film or a big blockbuster action movie and you have other friends who would rather be caught dead than do that, but they're the ones that perhaps you want to go to a museum with on a quiet Sunday. So we make these distinctions about people we know well, and it's really just sort of applying that a little bit to people we know perhaps less well, but have some some understanding of and some experience with, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. so that you can kind of gauge your um you know, who do I know who would be fun to, you know, have, have around my table for a dinner party, as opposed to, well, they would be maybe too distracting. I'd like to see them one-to-one. It, we have these, we have a sense about the people that we interact with and, and connect with, even briefly. And so it's really just sort of applying that, it, it, again, in, in service of connecting with people sort of meeting them on some common ground, whatever that is. They don't all have to fit one mold. They don't all have to bring the same thing to the party. Yeah, and I think in this time of COVID, like you'd mentioned that, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for giving and going out and actually connecting with people over the opportunity to give is a huge way to make connections. And a lot of times very deep connections. And you cited it's Judy Wirt in the book and how she gauges her success and being able to connect people to opportunities through what she called learning mindset and curiosity. And I believe if you're curious, you're probably a good connector. I've always been curious. And I think that's the learning mindset. Can you let our listeners in on how this mindset works so well at networking? Because I think people who are curious have a lot more uh, ease at connecting and networking. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I, I, I too have always been curious, especially about people. I'm curious about what makes them tick and how they behave. I notice 
you know, I people watch, I watch strangers and I sort of imagine what their lives are like. I'm, I'm curious about people. And I think for me, the through line is uh, who has, uh, you know, an interesting story and interesting, I define very, very broadly. So uh, it could be interesting because um, they, uh, you know, have survived uh, some, you know, great trauma. It could be, they could be interesting because they didn't take the usual path or because of some other reason. And so I think that um, having curiosity, putting yourself outside yourself uh, and recognizing that other people, you may be anxious about uh, the job interview, for example, but if you can set that aside and be curious about the the person who's hosting you or uh, the other interviewers to kind of, it, it's not to pepper them with questions necessarily, but it's to be observant and to notice how they behave and who, what they seem like, what they look like, what their style's like. And you begin to uh, sort of appreciate both the differences and the similarities between people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it, for, I don't know that I have good advice for someone who is completely and utterly self-centered because that's hard to get out of. But I think this all goes much better when you are curious about people um, and, so, and people like to be the object of some curiosity uh, so that, uh, as you said earlier, it's not all about, you know, what does this person want from me? But it's much more of this mutual exchange about, oh, I want to tell you my story, too, in our conversation. Um, that That's, you know, being curious is being open to, to the unknown a little bit and, and being open to new possibilities you hadn't thought of. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when you look at soft skills, that this particular skill set to be able to be um, open uh, listen, compassionate, understanding, be able to ask questions. That soft skill goes a long way in your career. As a matter of fact, many of these companies are looking for that today. They want people with this. And you speak about, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to intersect this, the 11 organizing principles of no pressure networking. So mm-hmm. Can you share with the listeners some of the organizing principles that you've put in the book? You don't have to do them all, but let's just say we share (laughs) three or four of them and something that will at least give them an idea of what these organizing principles are for no pressure networking. Yeah. And you know, it's, I had a joke with the publisher about, I'd like, I like odd numbers better than, (laughs) better than even numbers. Uh, Yeah. And it just, 11 it just is a great paper, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with it, 11. I have a hat it, that has 11, 11 on it because those are my angels that watch over me. <laughs> right. So. Right. Right. I like, uh, I like the idea of, of uh, an odd number somehow. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a mix, honestly, of uh, principle of, sort of elements of networking and also ideas about networking. So I think I would say, um, you know, as we were just talking about, one is uh, to be open and curious about other people uh, in the moment. It, it, frankly, you'll get farther uh, on whatever your quest is if you if you are 
Um, another one would be um, to be communicative. And by that, I mean, um, if you are if you are in need of a contact, an introduction, or you have specific questions, let's say in a job hunt, um, or even more broadly, you want to learn about a new field, to be, to be um, communicative so that the person understands what it is you're looking for, um, and then to communicate your gratitude afterwards to and, and offer to do something you know, what, whatever you can do to help them so that there's not just um, a sort of cold transaction around the, the favor you've sought out. You might get that, you might get the favor, but it might only be that the one time, which, which you don't want. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the others um, off the top of my head. I haven't thought of the list uh, in a while. Okay. I think, I think- then there's can go get the book. They can go to your website too. And yeah. uh, there you can learn more about it and get the book. But the the principles are, are really quite interesting. So Karen, in your chapter on loose touch habits, you speak about what we can give and what we can take. Why is giving so important when it comes to connecting and networking? I, I think the short answer is because we're we're all human beings and we're dealing with human beings we this is this is a way that people operate if we any of us would be put off by someone who abruptly appears out of nowhere out of out of the long ago past and says uh hey i'm looking for you because i have a question about x can you get back to me uh by tuesday at 2 uh we're not inclined to you know, what, rush to do that because right. um, that that's somebody doing all the asking and all the taking, right? Um, we're much more inclined to help each other when there's some context around it, and when even even if we haven't been in touch, and this happens to me all the time with people I'm I'm not in touch with for years, we're connected already from the past in some way from some previous job, let's say. But uh, there's when there's a little bit more context of I'm reaching out because I have a specific question right now and I think about you because you have expertise in this or I remember our experience with that or I just thought you'd be a good person to ask about this um can at your convenience can we talk further or can you point me in the right direction thank you so much and let me know what I can do for you that's a whole different experience uh, on both sides, and people are inclined then to say, "Oh, yes, of course I will help," and you feel good about it, and then you want to pass that on, right? You want to pay it forward with somebody else, right. and that that's its own kind of mo for 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 what ongoing continuous connecting is about. Yeah, it's such an important thing, and. Um... You know, I think that you say nurture it before you need it. And I love that little axiom you said in the statement. So, I mean, you know, if you're nurturing it uh, before you need it, it's it's a good one. Now, way back when, um, a gentleman at Stanford, researcher, Mark Granovetter, uh, did some research work on something called the strength of weak ties. And Mm -hmm. I thought this part of your book was pretty interesting because – 
all of us have some weak ties. Um, yeah. Can you let us know what some of these weak ties are and how we can utilize these to our benefit or how we can strengthen those weak ties? Well, the weak ties are uh, people that we have not, they've not been in uh, any, any one of our circles uh, directly. For example, when you work at a, at a, any, any good size company, let's say over, I don't know, 50 people, you're not, you're not likely to know everybody. Uh, there might be vendors and contractors in the mix uh, who you know in passing to say hello to, but you don't really know. But they, they may be a weak tie. So when you think about people in your network uh, for around a specific question, let's say that you have, uh, your weak ties can often be the ones uh, who may actually have the knowledge or information that you're looking for. Uh, and it, again, they don't have to become your best friends. It's much more about recognizing, oh, there are more people, uh, you know, in my orbit who might be able to help with this particular thing or who I could tell uh, uh, or you know, either ask for an idea or, or tell about something that might be of interest to them. So, over time, uh, these are these are, you know, again, not people that you're in touch with always, not people that you know particularly well, but they may be the very ones. And I think we've all had these experience with a weak tie, where you say offhandedly to someone, or you're in a, a small group at a at a dinner or a party, and and you say, well, yeah, we're looking for you know a creative firm that does so and so, or I'm trying to find just the right person to help out on this project and they need to know this and someone will pop up out of the group and say, Oh, well, I know someone like that. I know right. someone who could do that. I know someone who could help you. And mm -hmm. it's not that you knew enough to go to that person and ask. It's more of a random thing that that's what a weak tie can bring. Now here you're, you're first of all, curious enough uh, and interested enough to be in a group. That's not just, your immediate circle. And second, you're making, you're kind of thinking out loud or you're saying, well, we're, we're trying to find this if anybody knows anyone. And someone will say, oh yeah, I do know someone. And that could be a weak tie. Uh, so it just, his, this original study you mentioned from Stanford uh, basically proved the point that weak ties can help you find a job that you are hired for than your family and friends. He, he wrote it in the 50s, actually. Um, yeah. So I think it's even more true now <laughs> than it was then um, that, uh, you know, people you know randomly and not very well um, can be the ones who, who, you know, lead you to something that you're actually looking for and need. Well, frequently that happens. I mean, you know, you have to look at some of these weak ties and and understand that, you know, it, I think it comes back to this whole thing that we talked about, which you can't have this fear of asking for help. No. Right? For help. No, that's right. And I, yeah. I just did an interview maybe, I don't know, a month, two months ago with a gentleman, and his whole book was about really the whole research behind people being afraid to ask. Ask yeah. and ask for help. And like you yeah. had said earlier, people like being asked but we yeah. don't perceive that they like being asked. And I, I think it's just such an important point. Now, yeah. if you were to leave our listeners with some great tips today, um, it's kind of wrapping up our interview here. 
on taking the work out of networking, or let's say taking the work out of connecting, as you said, um, what would you like to leave them with? What are the takeaways from this today? Well, one is to understand that this whole kind of enterprise is a long game. Uh, And the best example or the best way to maybe picture this is a great quote that I came across when I was doing the book. A man named Ivan Meisner uh, once said, um, networking is less like hunting and more like farming. Uh Now, I think that's a brilliant way of thinking about it and I would substitute gardening if you like and if in case you're in case you're not familiar with farming. But the Isn't the he the is, founder of isn't he the founder of B and I? Business yes, he networking. Is. He is. Yeah. I've been my yeah, B and I. Yeah. 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 Um yeah. and and I think the the point here is hunting we we would probably all recognize is a very transactional uh process, right? Uh, where farming or gardening are much more seasonal and uh, continuous, but not constant, right? You're not, you're not tending to the garden eight, 10, 12 hours a day. You are looking at it every day and occasionally you're weeding and and you're, and you're spreading out the plants or you're uh, replanting something, you're trimming something. This is, this is, I think how one's network actually goes in life which is to say some people are closer at some times uh, and some people aren't. Some people come back into view uh, and and your uh, ship's passing, but it's a friendly uh, encounter and then you go on your way. In the process of writing my book, you know, some of the people I reached out to and, and interviewed, like Judy Wirt, who you mentioned, I've known for many years, but not uh, well and uh, not you know, anything more than a, a sort of passing professional connection. But in the, you know, this is, this is kind of, but she's part of my network, of course, and I'm part of hers. And so that this is how uh, real uh, meaningful and authentic networks are built is, is this notion of gardening or farming it, it, where it, where it is ongoing and, and continuous. It's not, it's not the one, it's not the one encounter with what you're hunting and then it's over. I, I think that's the most useful way I know to think about it. Well, and I would say that that's probably the greatest advice you could give somebody today who's thinking about networking as work. Uh, is that yeah. you know, when you plant a seed and you tend your garden and you, and you manage getting the weeds out – you're cultivating over a long period of time. It's a long haul. It, like I said in the beginning, before we started, books are the same thing. They're not a sprint. Yes. You know, it's yes. really, it's really about the length of time you put it in. I mean, I've seen books. You know, I I deal with Don Green at uh, the Napoleon Hill Foundation. My goodness, Think and Grow Rich is still selling millions of copies a year. And you look at it, and you go, that was written in 1927, right? So the mm-hmm. the whole concept of trying to sprint this is really important. You don't sprint networking. Uh, you basically keep it uh, something where you guys can uh, continually go out there and um, manage it and keep doing it over and over and over again and like mm-hmm. what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, learning how to play tennis or run a marathon or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, you don't yeah. do it in one little step. So. 
It's been a wonderful having you on the show and sharing some of your ideas. And for all my listeners, you can go to karenwickray.com. That's A-R-E-N-W-I-C-K-R-E.com. That'll be in our blog. We'll also have a link to Amazon to her book. You can order it off of her website as well. But the book is Taking the Work Out of Networking, Your Guide to Making and Keeping Great Connections. Karen, pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth today. Thanks for spending a little bit of time uh, with my listeners to understand more about networking doesn't have to be an arduous thing. You can make it fun, <laughs> and I really appreciate that. Oh, thanks so much, Greg. I really enjoyed it, and and I can see that you, you and I are kindred spirits on this. Definitely. So thanks a bunch.